Right, Christmas story, here you go. Angel Gabriel appears to a young virgin lady called Mary. He says, you're going to have a baby. She says, I want to know what happened. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you'll be thin. Then Joseph goes, oh my gosh, my wife, my, my betrothed bride is pregnant and it's not my child. I'm going to divorce her, but I'm going to put her away quietly because I don't want to make her ashamed. And so then the angel has to turn up to him and go, don't put her away for the child that's born of her is born of God. And so them two then are together and they're going to go, oh, this is wonderful. Then Caesar Augusta, is everyone keeping up? Yeah. Okay. Slow it down, right? And then Caesar Augusta, okay? Caesar Augusta is the Roman Caesar who lives in Rome and he decides, he makes this decree that everybody should go to their own hometown so that we can find out how many people we have so that we can tax them more. Okay, you think taxation's bad in Australia? It was nothing compared to those days, all right? The Caesar gets them to travel 100 miles. Now, I've had three children, not me personally, but I've been with a wife, the same wife, but boy, I'm going to get in trouble today. And we've had, we've together, together my wife has born three children. And, and one thing I know about travelling with, with women is it's actually sometimes a little arduous. Yes, men. Men who are brave. Men, anyway. There's only one thing worse than going on a road trip with a woman. It's going on a road trip with a pregnant woman. It's, it's bad. It's ba- we are not going to dig ourselves out of this hole, are we? Right, moving on. So how about we skip that part? They go on this road trip. It's a 100-mile road trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a long way. It's not like today. How many people read the Christmas story and you kind of read it and you put your westernized filter onto it? Like, you know, they kind of got in this cool car with air conditioning and they drove over to Bethlehem. They got out. There was no room, but it's okay. They found this stable, which wasn't too bad. And then they set it up and Jesus was born and they laid him in a manger. Right, but that's a Western, but if you really kind of went through, they had to walk that traveling journey. It was a long walk. They got there finally, pregnant. She's about to give birth. They're panicking. There's nowhere to go. Thousands of people have flooded into Bethlehem for the census that was dictated by a Roman emperor who doesn't even live in the town. You know those people who sit in their high palace somewhere making up decisions for everybody else? We wouldn't have that in Australia. It's only in other older days, so... And so it was really arduous. You know, I mean, come on. You think today's bad, don't we? We sometimes go, but Jesus came into that setting. He came into that setting when taxation was high, when the rich got richer and the poor just were bad off, okay? And we go, oh, that's the same. Oh, no, it's really not. No, it's really not the same as back then, okay? Today's a lot better. Back then was really bad. Today's a lot better. And so... The picture is that Jesus comes into that and here's my thought for today. He transforms something. Where's my tablecloth? Do I get a tablecloth and a Christmas tree? It looks pretty. Thanks. Dave, don't, where's my Christmas tree? He said I didn't get one and there's one there. Moving on. Jesus comes in. And he transforms the whole setting. He transforms. And and have you ever wondered why 2,000 years later we're still gathering together and talking about this? 2,000 years later we gather together. In fact, it's the one thing that pretty much the whole world can almost agree on. 2,000 years later the world seems to stop. And we have a discussion. And we remember that Christ was born. Why? Because a baby was born. Thousands of babies have been born. They didn't change the world. Because the baby grew up and died, thousands of babies have grown up and died, they didn't change the world. What was it about Jesus that changed the world? And there was something that I want to come to today. Jesus changed the world by the way he lived his life. Jesus lived in such a way that he transformed the ordinary into extraordinary. 
He transformed people's lives. And 2,000 years later, we are still talking about this person called Jesus. And I want to say to you today that if you would just come with me on this journey, I believe he can transform your life. In fact, I believe he can transform your Christmas. I think sometimes we get caught up in Christmas and all about the sharing and the giving of the gifts, and that's really cool. But sometimes in amongst all of this picture, I feel like Christ seems to get lost. In all the consumerism and all the commercialism, it's like we lose Christ in all of this, and it all becomes about the glitz and the glam. But 2,000 years ago, he was born into a stable and laid in a manger with no glitz and no glam, and yet he transformed the world. And I don't know about you, but Christmas time for me is one of my favorite times of the year because I get to eat. I know, you'd look at me and think you get to eat every day. Not like Christmas. Anyone else gets to eat at Christmas time? At Christmas time, we don't just eat, do we? We feed. At Christmas time, we feast. In fact, some of you, I can see by looking at you, overindulge. Not me, but some of you. (laughs) But at Christmas time, don't we? we, we But here's what I want to do today. See, today what I want to do is set a picture for you because I believe that it's at the table that Jesus can transform lives. This is where we're coming to today. It's at the table that Jesus can transform lives. And so no matter where you are today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation or circumstance you're going through, everybody, nearly everybody in this place is going to sit at a table today. You're going to sit possibly with friends or family at a table. You're going to sit around a meal table today. And for some of you, that table is going to be awkward. And for some of you, that table is going to be awesome. Some of you are going to be having dinner with the in-laws and some of you are going to be having dinner with the outlaws. Some of you are going to be loving the table you're sitting at and some of you are going to feel really awkward and uncomfortable. Have you ever heard the expression turning the tables? That's what I want to do today because I believe that Jesus comes in and he can take any table and turn the table. He can transform the ordinary into extraordinary. I want you to turn with me to Revelations. And Revelations 3, verse 27 says this, 20, sorry, says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I really wanted this for this reason. Wait, I'm going to do it again. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Behold, I stand at the door and I I knock. And, And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door to me, then I will come in. And I will dine with him, and I will commune with him, and him with me. Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And and if you hear my voice, if you hear the knock, and you open that door today, I'll come in. And it's when he comes in that I believe he can transform the tables. And so this morning, I I was thinking about food a lot through the week, and I was thinking about what we're going to eat, and I was thinking about who we're going to eat with. But you know the most important thing? I looked at the Scriptures, and I started realizing through the Scriptures how often Jesus took an ordinary table and transformed it into something beautiful. Jesus took an ordinary meal, and he set it apart as something exceptional. And so this morning, I want to just do that. I want to look at five tables, and then I'm going to invite you to come and join the table together. We're going to try and spread out a little bit. We're going to keep each other safe but I want to invite you then to come and join at one of the tables. I believe that Jesus wants to knock at the door and for you to open that door. And this Christ who was 2,000 years ago born as a baby is still transforming and changing lives today. This Christ is still transforming tables today. The first table that we're going to bring in this morning is the table of acceptance. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus takes the unacceptable and makes it acceptable, not in situations and circumstances, but in people. He transforms the table. I love this story. It says in in um, Matthew, 
Sorry, I'm going to get to it in a second. Matthew 9.10. It says, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Behold, as Jesus sat at the table, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, many sinners. Can everyone just get that? Many sinners. Can everyone say it with me? Many sinners. Many sinners. Come on, many sinners and tax collectors joined him at the table. Just, it wasn't unusual for the Pharisees, for the societal elite. It wasn't unusual for the rich and the powerful to join with other rich and powerful people. But you know what was incredibly unusual? For sinners and tax collectors to feel so accepted that they could join somebody who was elite. And Jesus transforms the tables into a table of acceptance. And I want to say to you today, we're going to take this minute because some of you are going to be sitting at tables today and and you have an opportunity to hear the knock and invite him in and and make your table a table of acceptance. Some of you have spent all year feeling unaccepted. Some of you have spent all their life feeling unaccepted. But I I want to say to you today, that knock that was heard 2,000 years ago, that knock that resounded 2,000 years ago is still resounding today. If you would let it, he invites you to hear the knock and invite him in. And so what would it feel like today if when you were sitting at the table, you said, Lord, I just, I'm not feeling accepted. And I really want to feel what it feels like when you accept me. And the Bible says that sinners, no, no, no. It doesn't say that righteous people who tried really hard. It doesn't say that people who really put a lot of effort and time into it. It said sinners and tax collectors were welcomed at his table. I don't want to ask you to put your hand up, so I'll put my hand up on behalf of everybody. Is that fair? Sinners. Sinners, people who do the wrong thing, are welcomed at his table. He turns a table into a table of acceptance. And if you've never felt that, then can I invite you to hear the knock this Christmas and invite him in? Can I go one step further? Because for you who've already answered the door and he's come into your heart and he's come into your life, you know what your table's supposed to be? A table of acceptance. Your table is supposed to be a table of acceptance. And so I love that thought. Can I give you another thing that I believe the tables are? The, table is a, the second table is a table of inclusion. And you're looking at that and you're like a table of inclusion. How many people have sat at a table and you're in the house and you're at the table but you are not included? You ever sat there and felt like I'm on the out but I'm still inside? You ever sat at your own table and felt like you're on the outer while you're still sitting inside the table? This is Jesus' ministry. He makes you feel included. How do I know? Let me give you this one, ready? Because in John, it says, that, and supper being ended, and the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments and gird himself in a towel. And then he went and he poured water into a bowl and he washed his disciples' feet. I want you to get that picture because when you're sitting at the table, he washed his disciples' feet. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is the supreme King of kings and Lord of lords, took off his royalty and his robes if you want he wasn't wearing royal robes but he took it off and he girded himself in the lowest position at the table the position of a servant and then he washed his disciples feet now let me go a bit further do you know whose feet he washed everyone say his disciples 
Wonderful, that was great. Do you know who his disciples were? Let me give you a quick one. The people who were sitting at that table, Peter. Peter, who just a few short hours would deny he ever knew Jesus. That guy. Peter, who would say, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times he would publicly deny that he even knew Jesus. Jesus washed his feet. Thomas, who would just a few days later totally doubt that it could ever happen that Jesus had come back from the dead, even though he told him over and over again that that was what was going to happen. Thomas, who doubted him, he washed his feet. But my favorite, Judas, who betrayed him. Judas, who had already put it in his heart that he was going to betray Jesus. Jesus washed his feet. Can I ask you a question this morning? When you're sitting at a table, do you feel included? And maybe if you don't feel included, maybe it's time to ask Jesus to come in and be a part of that table. Jesus, would you come in this morning? Would you come into the table? Can I hear your knock and invite you in and make my table a table of inclusion? Who is it this morning that you need to include? Who is it that you know rubs you the wrong way, but you need Jesus to do something in your life so that you can include them? Do you like that this morning? Church, these tables transform your lives. And we go through this and we tell the Christmas story. And I don't want to just go through and tell another Christmas story. I want to tell you about how Christ is still knocking at the door just as he was 2,000 years ago. And Christ is still in the transforming business. And Christ still wants to be a part of your life today and transform your tables of tables of acceptance. And turn the table from exclusion to turn it around to an inclusion. And I'll give you another one today. He has a table And I like this one. He has a table of forgiveness. Jesus transforms a table of judgment into a table of forgiveness. There's this story told that Jesus went to a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee's called Simon. And Jesus walks into the Pharisee's house and he's sitting down and he's eating meal. And as he's eating the meal, this woman comes. This woman comes and she begins to cry over his feet and begins to wash his feet with her tears and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And Simon Simon the Pharisee, Simon the societal elite, he's looking at this and he's, you know how they get that kind of looking down my nose, that disdainful look? Anyone ever experienced that? Um, Some people are really good at practicing it. Good job, Alex. You've nearly got that disdainful look down pat right now. If I just keep going, will I get a smile this morning? We're moving on from Alex, right? (laughs) But he looked down his nose and he's like, if he only knew who was touching him, If he only knew who was touching him, he would have nothing to do with that woman. If he knew who was touching him, he'd have nothing to do. You could almost imagine Simon to be just ticking her away. Get away from me, you dirty, filthy. The Bible says it was a notorious sinner. Some people have postulated that it could have been a prostitute. And this woman had come in and sat at his feet and began to wash his feet and to love on him. And so Jesus stops the whole meal. He says, Simon, I've got a question for you. He said, Simon, and he begins to return the table. He begins to reshape it. He takes the table and turns it from a table of judgment to a table of forgiveness. He says, Simon, I've got a question for you. And he unpacks this question. He says, there were two people and one owed somebody $100 and the other owed somebody $10,000. And the, the person who was owed the money forgave them both. Who do you think loved him the most? And Simon said, I expect the person who, who had a $10,000 debt forgiven. And Jesus said, that's exactly right. In this, you've judged correctly. And he turns to the woman. I love this. He turns to the woman. He says, your sins are forgiven. Can I just read that scripture out? It's found in Luke 36. It says, I'm going to read the whole, this portion. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. 
And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And the Pharisee's questioning, how could this man let such a woman touch him? It's so despicable. And Jesus is just loving on this lady. He says to her, he turns to the lady in Luke 7, 48, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who forgives sins? Who is this who turns a table of judgment to a table of forgiveness? This is the Christ that we sing about. This is the Jesus that we celebrate his birthday today. This is what we're here for. And we forget this and we, we lose it. But I want to say to you today, you're sitting at tables How cool would it be if you realized you were sitting at a table of acceptance and a table of inclusion and a table of forgiveness? And maybe today some of you are weighed down with your sins and the heavy weight of the world and all the things that have gone on. Wouldn't it be great to just hear that knock today? Say, Jesus, I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to dine with you today. Don't make this Christmas day like the one last year and the year before and the year before. Don't just make it just make it insignificant. Make it special. Invite Christ to be a part of your Christmas day. Can I say that again? Invite Christ to actually be a part of your Christmas day. Can I go one step further? Is there somebody you might need to forgive today? Somebody maybe has hurt you. Some of you, that's going to be really challenging. But, but when you hear that knock, you invite him in and you ask him to sit at your table. You ask him to forgive, and then you freely forgive others. We good with that? Okay, let's keep going. I want to give you the fourth table today. It's the fourth table is a table of grace, and they're coming in right now. I love this. Zacchaeus is this small man. He's a tax collector. And the Bible says he heard Jesus was coming to town and so he ran up a tree and so he could see Jesus coming. And when Jesus gets to that spot, he stops and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down because I'm eating at your house today. I need you to get this because it's a table of grace. Grace is one of those amazing things where you don't have to do anything to earn it. Grace is one of those amazing things where it's freely given to you. And Jesus stops at Zacchaeus's tree and says, come down, I'm eating at your house. I want to turn your table today into a table of grace. And Zacchaeus climbs down from the tree and he invites him in. And many of the people are actually shocked that he would go and eat at Zacchaeus's house because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And the Jews didn't like tax collectors because tax collectors collected taxes from the Jews. And they didn't just collect a little, they collected a lot. They collected more than they needed to collect because they were going to get their wealth out of the taxes that they collected. So they were ripping their own friends, their own family, their own people off. They weren't popular people in the towns that they lived. And when Jesus walks in, he takes his most unpopular man and includes him and accepts him and graces him. It's this picture of Jesus that I want us to get. It says, then Zacchaeus stood. I love this thought. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, 
I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. There's something about just getting in Jesus' presence that changes and turns the tables, that transforms your life. There's something about just sitting with him and allowing his grace to wash over you and his acceptance and his forgiveness and his mercy and his inclusion to wash over you that somehow changes something in us. And I feel like sometimes we lose all of that. We go through the motions and we actually exclude Christ from the very Christmas we're supposed to be celebrating. Today it's Christ's Mass. It's a table where we're all going to sit at where we have the opportunity to invite him. And I don't know where you're at today and maybe can I... I know I'm labouring a point, but I feel like we need to. When I was pondering this through the week and what do I bring for a Christmas message and I was talking to my mum and dad and they're like, I think sometimes people just need to hear the Christmas story. I think the Christmas story is boring unless it has a meaning. Unless Christ come to change something, there was a baby born and a baby who died, but Jesus did so much more than just turn up and live and die. He transformed the world in which we live. In fact, it's been said that you could take the most atheistic person right now, take him back 2,000 years ago, and he would look like a Christian to the Romans of the day. Why? Because Christ's influence has gone right across the world. Because people have eaten at tables and felt his acceptance and his inclusion and his forgiveness and his grace. And when you've eaten at that, it's so much easier to pass that on to somebody else. That's why we need to have Christ in our Christmas. Let me give you the last one this morning. It's a table of abundance. Jesus calls his disciples to himself. I love the fact that Jesus was never stingy. He calls his disciples to himself and he says, I have compassion on the multitude because they now have continued with me for three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry. Every table, Jesus turned around to make it something else. He turned around Zacchaeus' table and made it a table of grace. He turned around the disciples' table, made it a table of inclusion when everybody else would want to exclude him. He turned around the other person's table and made it a table of acceptance. And he takes his 4,000 people who are hungry, who've been with him for four days and they've eaten all the food they have. And he says, how are we going to feed them? And they talked amongst themselves and they said, we don't know what we've got. So he says to them, the disciples said, where would we get enough bread in the wilderness to feed such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And we drop down to verse 37. And Jesus prays and he takes their little and he turns it into a lot. And verse 37 says, So they all ate. Everyone say all. They all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. I love the fact that there was no lack. When Jesus sits at your table, whether you have a little or a lot, you have more than enough. When Jesus sits at your table, whether you have a little or a lot, you have more than enough. When Jesus sits at your table, there's grace. When he sits at your table, there's forgiveness. When he sits at your table, there's inclusion. When he sits at your table, there's acceptance. This morning, as we're coming to the end and the conclusion of the message, I want to invite you to just sit for a moment and ponder what table do you need to eat from. 
want to remind you of Revelation 3 verse 20 where it says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He knocks. He doesn't force himself in. He waits for the invitation. Would you come in and change my table? I get the feeling today that there's people here that need to choose a table. And it might be a symbolic step, a step of faith. I get the feeling that there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear that knock. That needs to say Christmas is more than just a a baby being born 2,000 years ago. It's more than just gifts given. It's about hearing Christ come and turn the tables. It's about hearing Christ come and transform lives. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.